0: Wrestling fans, how you doing? You are listening to the next era in pro wrestling analysis. You're listening to Wrestle Rant Radio. I'm Tommy Sharp alongside Graham GSM Matthews here to bring you the front-to-NWWE coverage that you deserve. Listen online at nexterawrestling.net. Fired up today, Graham. A pleasure as always. We are merely days. Away from living life in the fast lane, a Raw-branded WWE Network exclusive, given away for free, including WrestleMania this year, on the WWE Network this Sunday, kickoff at 7 o'clock p.m., and it feels to me that respect is very much on the line at Fastlane in all kinds of directions here. Uh, we are, have a star-studded kickoff. Of the two o five livers, Rich Swan and Akira Tozawa will be taking on the Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar, who has been ruffling everyone's feathers as of late. Graham, where, where, where does where do the respect lines even lie in a, in a kickoff match where you have two shining examples of the current pro wrestling incarnation of, of what a modern superstar is in Rich Swan and Akira Tewazawa? and then you have kind of a throwback selfish mentality with Brian Kendrick and Noam Dar. How, how, do, how do these two teams, how do they get to this point, and, and, and what do they bring into the table? Who's going to come away with a win here?
1: We saw a bit of this this past week on 205 Live from Noem Dar with a win over Lindsay Dorado. Rich Swan was conspicuous by his absence on both Tuesday night and Monday Night Raw, which was kind of surprising to me. But we take it back to two weeks ago when Rich Swan initially returned to in-ring action after suffering an injury about a month ago, uh, taking on Noem Dar, beating him in one-on-one action. And that was about it, but they still have that bad blood simmering. But as you had mentioned, really the prominent feud at the moment is Tozawa and the Brian Kendrick just going back and forth every Tuesday and Monday night. It's been great stuff, and respect is the common theme throughout the cruiserweights at the moment.
0: I mean, lack of respect from Brian Kendrick almost from the get-go when approaching Tozawa. um, It seems that Brian Kendrick feels a need to curate and mold the 205 Live Cruiserweight division in his own form or image or however he sees that and yet Noam Dar is is quite quick on his feet and very much an independent force in all of this. Does Rich Swan, even though he's a former champion, does Rich Swan have kind of that biting edge and mentality that the other competitors have in this match or is that maybe a weakness for their team?
1: No, I do think it's a strength for uh, for Rich Swan coming into this matchup. As I had completely forgot before, you had reminded me. Rich Swan is a former cruiserweight champion. Neville's taken center stage over the past month and a half, but. Rich Swann and Brian Kendrick do have that bad blood from before, you know, late last year it was Rich Swann who beat Brian Kendrick to win that championship, and Kendrick, when 205 first debuted, 205 Live first debuted late last year, Kendrick was the face of that show, so now all these months later, he feels like he's being overlooked for the guys of, you know, such as Grandma Talik, and now with Kira Tozawa arriving on the scene, he wants that vengeance, he wants that payback to show that he's been here for the past 15-20 years on the independent scene, and he set himself on commentary not too long ago during Tozawa's Raw debut that he was the initial indie darling. He was Daniel Bryan and CM Punk before they were what they eventually became in WWE. The Bryan Kendrick has roots in TNA. Ring of Honor. Now WWE coming back looking to reclaim his throne in in the company as the king of the cruiserweights as Neville has now called himself.
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, even even as of this week, we still see Neville very much laser-focused on maintaining his kingdom, and, and the things that are going around him seem inconsequential to him unless they become a threat to him. However, this past week, we did see Tozawa defeat Noam Dar with Brian Kendrick ringside. Does, is that a window into uh, the, what Tozawa brings to this match? We've seen him now for, what, three weeks of consistent competition, even though we've seen him in smatterings of other places. Um, what's Tozawa bring to this, and, and do you think him as a factor alone guarantees a win for uh, over uh, Noam Dar and Brian Kendrick?
1: It could. I think what makes Tozawa such an exciting staple of the Cruiseweight division is the energy and charisma he brings to the division just from the ah chance and everything else he does in his matches. It's so exciting and enthralling to me. He's such a breath of fresh air. I mean, everyone really brings something different to the table, as you had said with Noam Dar and Kendrick and Richmond as well. But Akira Tozawa is such, so different from everyone else. But the one thing that has really, you know, has become an obstacle for him since arriving in WWE is the Brian Kendrick and how smart he is and outsmarting Akira Tozawa time and time again by blasting him from behind on Monday Night Raw too, outsmarting him in their one-on-one match last week on 205 Live that led to a victory for Kendrick over Akira. So, I mean, we could probably see that as a factor in this matchup. And if if Kendrick can once again outsmart Akira Tozawa, that could lead to a victory for the heel tandem on Sunday.
0: That, that sounds exactly like the kind of victory that uh, current cruiserweight champion Neville is going to bring to his match against Jack Gallagher. Um, Now, we were talking about that kind of laser focus that Neville has right now on just being on top of the pile. Uh, What kind of threat do you see Jack Gallagher bringing to the king right now? Do you think Jack Gallagher is prepared and ready to take on such a seasoned and tenured uh, professional like Neville is?
1: After what I saw on Monday and Tuesday, I would say so. I mean, scoring a victory in tag team action on Raw over Tony Nese and Neville, and then following that up by, you know, going face-to-face, going toe-to-toe with Neville on 205 Live, forcing him to flee from the ring, I would say now is as good of a time as any for him to go to the championship. He's riding that wave of momentum going into Fastlane. You know,
0: absolutely, and and based on their match on Monday, where uh, Neville teamed up with Tony Nese to take on uh, gentlemen Jack Gallagher and TJ Perkins, Um, unfortunately, Neville started things off in the worst way possible with Tony Nese. I mean, Tony Nese, the premier athlete, um, he's definitely not known for sharing the spotlight. And, And Neville doesn't seem to necessarily care about that spotlight anymore. But at the same time, he made it a point to Tony Nese that he was on the same page of attacking and specifically focusing their hurt on Jack Gallagher, which didn't seem to impact Tony Nese one way or the other, whatever Neville was saying. Those two ended up with a loss to Jack Gallagher and TJ Perkins. Um, uh, I'm sure that doesn't settle well with Neville going into this match against Jack Gallagher, seeing him have such kind of a, an exuberant time and then leading into 205. Um, I say that there's a, a a really good chance here that Jack Gallagher puts uh, his full effort into all of this and it has a, has a possibility of coming up with a clean victory here. But I do believe that this version of Neville that we're seeing right now has every bit of intention of keeping his title and keeping that championship prerogative. He has got the advantage here. I believe if Gallagher even looks like he's going to come close to a three count, we will see not necessarily interference, but a foot on the rope, you know, a pulling of the tight. Something is going to to spin that in Neville's way if he has to go that direction and that's just the mentality that he has these days. How does that how does, how does that make you feel about Neville?
1: As much as I want to see Gallagher get his crowning moment, I mean, for me, he's one of the more entertaining acts in the entire division on Monday Night Raw, period, at the moment. But as much of a role as he has been on this week, this past week specifically, Neville, like you said, has really just got it all going for him right now as the king of the cruiserweights. I will say when Gallagher first became the number one contender a few weeks back and winning that amazing fatal 5 weight, in my opinion, still the best cruiserweight match we've seen since the dawn of the division, um, I honestly saw Gallagher as a stepping stone to Neville, but after what we've seen recently with all the victories that he stacked up over Noam Dar, over Tony Nese and several others in the past couple weeks, I honestly do think Gallagher as a legitimate shot of becoming champion on Sunday. But with Neville, this new aggressive side that we've seen of him him in the past couple weeks, something that we have never seen before from the uh, man that gravity forgot, as he once called himself, is really something new and invigorating. And I honestly don't think anyone at the present moment might present a real threat to, to Neville and not even Jack Gallagher.
0: Not even Jack Gallagher. In fact, if anything, I think Jack Gallagher has proven himself to let his emotions overcome him climb to the top rope, do something off the top rope, onto the outside. There's really no telling. He's never been in this championship type of match uh, with a competitor like Neville yet. So there's really no telling. But Neville's been down the block uh, uh, time and time again. And we don't see that kind of death-defying, daredevil antics that we've seen from Neville in the past. So now we're seeing a much more focused Neville that is interested more in that win than winning over the WWE universe as a fan base and I think that that is definitely going to impact Jack Gallagher's chances here and I would say that Neville has a very good shot at retaining his title here through nefarious means or otherwise but speaking of nefarious the Raw Tag Team Champions speaking of respect just lacks of respect all over the place Neville doesn't have any respect for Jack Gallagher Brian Kendrick doesn't have respect for anybody and that is Absolutely true of the Raw tag team champions, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, who view the rest of the WWE and the WWE universe as a bunch of nerds. And that couldn't apply more accurately to the actions and the way that Enzo Amore and Big Cass have been acting in the last couple of weeks. A different kind of mentality for the two Long Island, New Jersey, what have yous. Um, they have been coming across a little bit more disorganized than late. Um, what do you think about this championship match happening at Bass Lane? And do you think that Enzo Amore and Big Cass have it in them to get their first, their, their, their hands on their first piece of gold anywhere? I mean, even this week, Big Cass had to remind Enzo Amore, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson are championship champions all over the world. We're, we have not won anything, you know, and and, you know, outside of a participation certificate from the Miz, you know, <laughs> I'm not sure that, that this is their chance either. Um, do you feel like they're just going to be participating in this match or do you feel like they have the edge going into Fastlane to win the championships right now?
1: Well, I will say I think something can be said. For uh, that making the, the duo of Enzo and Cass that much hungrier going into Fastlane, like they want to capture their first set of tag team titles. And for those that might say, you know, it might be a more fitting moment for WrestleMania, and they have yet to win their champion their first set of championships in WWE. I mean, look at Bailey, look at Naomi, look at Bray Wyatt. In the past month alone, all three of those individuals won their first singles championships in WWE at the Elimination Chamber on Raw, on SmackDown. The list goes on and on. I think really timing could be in their favor come Sunday. Big Cass is coming off a victory over Luke Gallows on Monday Night Raw. They scored a huge victory over Cesaro and Sheamus the week prior to that. And speaking of whom too, I think people are kind of overlooking the duo of Cesaro and Sheamus who weren't a cohesive unit on Monday. They were in separate singles matches, but... They did get the better of Enzo and Cass following their match against each other about a week ago. So there is a decent chance we could see them resurface here and make their claim for the championships as well.
0: When we saw this uh, past Monday on Raw, Big Cass defeated uh, Luke Gallows in singles competition. In this match, uh, Big Cass doesn't really worry me as as far as what he brings to the table. He's been very consistent, I would have to say. Um, he's been very healthy, he's got a lot of energy, and he's only getting stronger. However, Enzo Amori has been plagued with nagging injuries, lingering uh, um, setbacks and things like that, and is now just jumping from a recovery period and a, a growth period to dead set on becoming a champion. And I think that Enzo here is the weak link. I think out of all of this, I mean, the, the the club are so solid on what they do and how they what they bring to the ring. They're the champions. That's how they got there. They've been champions all over the world. Big Cass looks like he's ready to put in the work and understands the tempered mentality that it takes to chip away at becoming a champion in this company. But... Enzo Amore, I think just like anything else, he thinks that if you can just be loud enough and in front of people and in their face enough that you'll just continue getting these opportunities. If they lose here, what's the road look like to get back into contention for the for the championships down the line.
1: It's going to be a long road. I mean, you got to think that they've been here for almost a year at this point, arriving on Raw almost 11 months ago, and it took them 11 months to get their first shot at the Tag Team Titles 2-on-2. Two two. I know they had a one-off shot at Money in the Bank last year, but that was a fatal four-way match. So if they lose on Sunday, whether it be via— even if they win Vita's qualification, that still does not automatically mean they will get a rematch the next night or at WrestleMania— Raw's tag team scene right now is very interesting in that there's really no one obvious match. Like for SmackDown, you have American Alpha and the Usos. That's the match to me that we'll likely see at WrestleMania for the SmackDown tag team titles. For Raw, is it Enzo and Cass versus the club part two? We've seen the belts change hands quite a few times recently from Cesaro and Sheamus to the club. Could Enzo and Cass be the next set of champions? That really remains to be seen. But if they lose here, we've talked about it time and time again here on the show with really anyone. If they lose, where do they go from here I honestly have no educated guess.
0: And, and there's not too much of a, crew, a, a tag team division for them to then reinsert themselves into, chip away at their goals, and get back to a number one contender spot. There's just not that landscape provided for them, especially when they're going to be splitting up uh, Cesaro and Sheamus for singles matches, especially when they're going to be sending the club two-on-one against Roman Reigns. Where's your Where's your competition? Where are your tag teams to have matches? The shining stars. And then you have the Shining <laughs> Stars come out and leave just as quickly as they arrive. Um, uh, and, and certainly uh, a lot of credit to the Shining Stars, but they are definitely better at handing out flyers for their resort than they are at staying in the ring. So... Um, This is going to be a really interesting uh, championship match, uh, more so because I'm interested in seeing what Enzo and Cass even bring to the table against such tenured veterans in Gallows and Anderson. Um, But speaking of kind of that new era of superstar, we have an interesting match um, that just recently got added uh, to the Fastlane card. Uh, Sasha Banks will be taking on Nia Jax, a total destroyer, Um, Nia Jax has come so far since she debuted onto the main roster to the point where she is no longer has just the perception of being feared. It really feels like she can injure some people really by no fault of her own other than just going at, you know, even half speed. What kind of shot does Sasha Banks here? Like obviously Sasha Banks is here to prove a point again, respect. Does Nia Jax have respect for Sasha Banks? Absolutely not. Nia Jax, wants the title around her waist, on her shoulder, and Sasha Banks wants the same thing. But I don't believe that Nia Jax has any consideration of respect for Sasha Banks, but it would be a really big mistake for Sasha Banks to feel the same way about Nia Jax. Who, how, how does Nia Jax, I mean, it, uh, what does Nia Jax bring to the table that Sasha Banks just can't defeat?
1: Well, I think on paper, for a lot of people, might be a clear-cut answer. Sasha Banks wins, former Raw Women's Champion, former champion NXT. Nia Jax has held zero gold in either NXT or WWE. But at the same time, in the eight months, eight, nine months she's been on Raw, Nia Jax has only suffered one defeat, that being to the current champion, Bayley, many months ago. Other than that, she has not been beaten. Specifically, she has beaten Sasha Banks twice. And in one instance, in under two minutes on Raw a couple weeks back. So she has that going for her. She has momentum. She pinned the champion on Monday Night Raw. I got to go with Nia Jax here. I think she's really being largely overlooked in the Raw Women's Championship picture right now. I think coming out of Fastlane, you got to expect her to be going for the gold heading into WrestleMania. And now
0: this is what surprised me was that this past week on Monday, we saw Charlotte Flair and Nia Jax team up. Now, not Charlotte and Dana Brooke. Charlotte and Nia Jax. Now, Charlotte always tends to go with the resources that inflict the most of her desire, which is usually, you know, take out the champion, lay a beating on her really bad so I can come in and kind of just sweep the rest of it up. Um, But having Dana Brooke ringside, seeing Nia Jax in the ring, I mean, she pinned the champion and defeated the champion in in the middle of the ring. No help from Sasha Banks. No, not a whole lot of outside stuff going on does Charlotte Flair realize who she's letting in the ring to be that close with her? I mean, Nia Jax certainly seems like despite not having any of the, uh, uh, the resume of being a champion, she certainly seems like she's ready to just take that belt off of Charlotte Flair any day she wants. Now, when she's, when, whenever she gets that opportunity, it will come at some point, but certainly Bailey and Sasha Banks have not proven to have, a complete winning strategy against Nia Jax. How does how does where does that put Charlotte Flair? Do you think she's threatened by this?
1: I think so. I mean, we've seen in the past that Charlotte. This is not the first time they've teamed up. Just in recent memory, yes, but of all time, they've teamed up on quite a few occasions. Um, that being said, Nia Jax has made it quite clear in the past that she does not trust Charlotte, and she wants that Raw Women's Championship. That's what motivates her at the moment. Squashing. Anyone that she can get her hands on, including Charlotte. And why she didn't do it on Monday is because Charlotte's not the current champion. Bayley is. She hit her with the leg drop. One, two, three. It was over. Um, I think that puts, like I said, Nia Jax in the driver's seat heading into WrestleMania. But for Charlotte Flair there, I think she does have the odds in her favor, as we'll get into, I'm sure, momentarily. With her Raw Women's Championship match as well, considering that she is still undefeated in championship matches, On pay-per-view. So she's got to be considered a favorite heading into that matchup.
0: You're absolutely right. And I'll I'll make one last point here. Nia Jax has probably one of the most devastating leg drops in professional wrestling today. It is just stellar the way she delivers it with such viciousness it is very definitive and it usually gets her that win so could we see that this sunday over sasha banks um it would certainly be one of the only parts that hasn't been injured on sasha in recent months um but uh kind of piggybacking off of that uh the raw women's champion bailey is going to be taking on charlotte flair this weekend uh what are the odds that we see some very direct and continued interference in Bailey's championship matches?
1: I mean, it depends. I mean, there's a couple different options. I was thinking because, okay, we have Sasha Banks versus Nia Jax part three. Could that mean that they won't get involved in this match? Not necessarily. They could still, you know, have their presence be felt in this match. So you have that going for you. You have you have uh, Dana Brooke as well, who is also at ringside. But she's also been very inconsistent with her interference over the months, over the past couple of months. She did not interfere in the Hell in a Cell match, in the roadblock match, in any time that Charlotte lost the championship, by and large. So it's really not a a done deal that she will interfere in this match. And you also gotta think, we talked about two weeks ago here on the show, who has gone unnoticed in recent weeks, is Emma. She showed up, the Emma Lena, going to Emma. She has not been seen on Raw in weeks, so maybe she might show up on Sunday and put her name in the hat for a future Raw Women's Championship match.
0: I wouldn't doubt it, and uh, especially if she comes back as that ice-cold Emma that we saw before she was injured, just ready to take on anything in the WWE with Dana Brooke at her side as, as her hench person, you know, like it was just so ripe for Emma to go in and make a huge impact and just be that bad. But, uh, it would be fantastic to see more of her. I hope that that transformation from Emelina back to Emma doesn't take the same amount of time as it took to see her for the first time. So, uh, knowing that, uh, we also have, um, a huge, uh, 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 distance between the understanding of what Samoa Joe wants and why Sami Zayn is in his face. I don't quite understand it. I mean, Sami Zayn does not go around the locker room or or really go into anybody else's business all that often. He seems to have taken very personal uh, opposition and offense to Samoa Joe's presence in general. Then again, Sami Zayn took the same type of offense with Braun Strowman of late. Um, are we seeing a trend in Sami Zayn? Is this really a great strategy for him to continue going after some of the more uh, uh, unconventionally brutal characters in the WWE right now? Is that is this going to be a smart path for Sami Zayn? Does he have a chance against Samoa Joe right now?
1: I mean, of course he has a chance. I mean, he's beaten the current Universal Champion before on pay-per-view, so he's always going to have that chance, but is it smart? I would say not. I mean, more often than not, he he usually does come out on on the losing end of these marquee matches, whether it be with Shinsuke Nakamura or the bigger men, as you said, either Braun Strowman or Samoa Joe on Sunday. Uh, and really, in this case, Samoa Joe, as you alluded to earlier with the Cruiserweights, is out for respect and attacking Sami Zayn, I think, about a week or two ago on Raw, saying, this is my world now. You're going to respect me. And he's going to prove that on Sunday by beating the former NXT champion in decisive fashion. If he can, if Sami Zayn can put up a fight, I'm expecting a really, really hard-fought match here. But what I'm most looking forward to, and we have yet to see it on Monday Night Raw, I think Sami Zayn's going to be valiant. He's going to be resilient. He's going to be the underdog we know him as, but he's going to kick out of everything that Samoa Joe dish- dishes out, with the exception of the one move that we have not yet seen on Raw, the muscle buster. Samoa Joe busted out, hit Sammy that for the clean one, two, three, and Samoa Joe is building momentum um, as his you know, rivalry with Seth Rollins looms large.
0: No, absolutely true. That does have its own kind of ominous presence there. But let me uh, ask you a quick aside question, um, kind of an either-or. uh out of these two superstars, who do you believe is ha, is physically stronger? Cesaro or Sami Zayn?
1: Ooh, stronger. Physically? Physically, physically stronger. It's hard to beat Cesaro. I think it's, I got to go Cesaro, yeah.
0: So so if it's, if it's hard to beat Cesaro, and I would absolutely agree with that 100%, then I'm going to say Sami Zayn doesn't really have a shot in this match. Because this past Monday, Samoa Joe defeated Cesaro 1-2-3. Cesaro, with all of his strength, with all of the fire that's been behind him lately, and since losing the Tag Team Championships, having interference in their rematch for that championship. Actually getting along with Sheamus, only to be broken up into singles competition and have Samoa Joe just for absolutely no other reason other than arrogance and lack of respect, go into the face of Cesaro in the last two weeks in a row and really get under Cesaro's skin. All of that didn't matter. Samoa Joe is still the destroyer that he came into the the WWE to be, and I believe that that destruction tour is going to hit Sami Zayn in the face on Sunday. So we will see how that all shakes out, but I believe that You and I are on the same page on that. Just based on the facts here, Sami Zayn, best of luck going into that. And uh, I actually honestly have to say the same thing to Roman Reigns right now. Um, Best of luck to Roman Reigns going against Braun Strowman this Sunday at Fastlane. Um, Nothing but total lack of respect from both of these men towards each other. Uh, Roman Reigns has uh, tried Superman punch after Superman punch after Spear. Samoa drops anything on Braun Strowman and it just doesn't seem to make an impact. Braun Strowman just absorbs energy like a sponge. What does Roman Reigns have to do to get a win over Braun Strowman here?
1: I can't say. I'm not exactly sure myself. I mean, the best... My my favorite part of this feud up to this point is the fact that Braun Strowman has consistently gotten the better of Roman Reigns at every single turn. Literally three or four weeks in a row, Braun Strowman has absolutely dominated Roman Reigns. I mean, we've seen it before. Roman Reigns has overcome every obstacle put in his path, whether it's Brock Lesnar, whether it be Bray Wyatt, whether it be Seth Rollins, really anybody. But we have not seen a monster quite like Braun Strowman, who has been undefeated since arriving on Raw. Um, Maybe his quickness. But, I mean, Braun Strowman's pretty quick as well, so I'm not really sure what factor that Roman Reigns is going to have to resort to in order to get that win over Braun Strowman. Maybe some interference, like outside interference, or maybe a returning Undertaker, maybe. They have, you know, unfinished business. But that would play in the favor of Braun Strowman's because Taker has that bad blood with Roman from the Rumble. So, I don't really know.
0: I I can't see anything on paper that suggests that Roman Reigns... Um, it, it has what it takes to, to beat Braun Strowman. I don't think we're looking at a Brock Lesnar-Goldberg uh, scenario where Strowman is just going to steamroll over Roman Reigns. I mean, their matches so far have been uh, pretty decently long, and they've each gotten ex- and exchanged a number of blows. Roman Reigns can definitely knock Strowman down. Keeping him down for a 1-2-3, though, I just don't see it happening. Especially, and I want to get your your honest thoughts on this, The contract signing that we saw between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Why? Why did that ever take place? What was the reason? I mean, you could see it on on Roman Reigns' face. He had no idea why he was out there. You could see it on Mick Foley's face. He didn't understand why we had to have a contract signing. There is no belt on the line. There is nothing on the line except for respect. Now, normally we don't see a contract signing out of respect, but if Braun Strowman is the one that requested this and is alleging that Roman Reigns wouldn't show up, I think Roman Reigns has shown up at every single turn. He's been at, at the end of every match that Strowman has had in Strowman's face, you know, almost telling Mick Foley, hey, you know what, I won't interfere in this match tonight, but the second it's over, I'm going to go down and punch Braun Strowman in the face. What has this gained? What? Why would Braun Strowman maneuver this contract signing into existence for the end of Raw this week, what purpose? What What are your thoughts on this?
1: I know they had alluded to because I was wondering the same thing as well, because the contract signings are such a tired trope in this company, really in wrestling in general, not just WWE, but I'm like, why are we getting another one? We just had one on SmackDown and NXT. Why?
0: I don't know if they've heard of the internet, but there's a <laughs> YouTube channel that they have, the WWE has, where I feel like, You know, a contract signing would do really well. Yeah. But that's just me.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I just, Braun Strowman, or Mick Foley, rather, had said that he wanted to hold the contract signing to ensure that Roman Reigns could not back out of the match. But, I mean, the idea of the contract signing itself, to me, was a turnoff for people. Because we see it so many times. But I will say the execution of it, I thought was great. Just in terms of how Braun Strowman just brutalized Roman Reigns, walked off, Roman said... Screw you and still sign the contract anyway. And he actually won over a portion of the fans in the audience, which we have not seen in a long time. So the way it was done was good. Well, I I, I
0: absolutely commend you on, on pulling that picture together because when we're talking about respect here today going into Fastlane, Roman Reigns, despite all of the abuse that he takes from the WWE universe, from the marks out there, from the people just... Coming loaded, sitting in seats and ruining the experience for the person next to you. Those are the Roman Reigns anti-brigade right there. And for him to go out to a BS contract signing that he absolutely knew was irrelevant to all of this. But just to be face-to-face with Braun Strowman, just to get knocked down, made to look like a fool and still sign that contract. I think that is the battle of respect that we're seeing play out here. It's respect for the WWE universe where it's like, fine, Braun, if this is the thing that you you think is going to uh, put a, a thorn in my side and get under my skin, well, it's not. I'm, I'm going to throw it right back at you. I'm going to get up and I'm going to sign this, con- this BS contract and I'll see you on Sunday. And I, I think at the end of the day... Ron Strowman hoped that he, but Roman Reigns would not be even able to pick up a pen going into Sunday. And he was able to stand on his own two feet, sign that contract, uh, a little bit of wobbling here and there. But, um, it doesn't look good for Roman Reigns right now. He has everything working against him, but he also has nothing to lose. There's nothing on the line here. There's really no reason to have a contract signing. Contract signings I have been so tired. Unless, unless you're telling me Sting is coming back in the ring, <laughs> I don't want to see it. Unless yeah. you're telling me Daniel Bryan is stepping back in the ring, and they're literally signing a contract saying I might die yeah. if I do this, and I'm signing on the line here. Then, you know, I don't really want to see that either. <laughs> but <Yep. laughs> yeah, you know, agreed to that. Um, too. But speaking of things that I didn't totally expect to see, but I am now excited to see, Universal Champion Kevin Owens will be taking on the Goldberg um, this Sunday at Fastlane. Uh, They had, had, once again, a lot of talk, a lot of posturing, a lot of feather feather fluffing and all of this uh, when Kevin Owens confronted Goldberg this week. A number of Twitter exchanges and pettiness abound. Kevin Owens just seems petty. And especially without Chris Jericho, it's not cute. It's not fun. It's just petty. Goldberg also seems to be without anybody kind of on his team or supporting him. He also seems to be playing into being a petty kind of person. Does Goldberg really want this universal championship? Do you get a sense from him that he cares or finds this title prestigious at all? Or does he just want to take something away from someone else like Kevin Owens? just because he's an easy target.
1: A little bit of both. I would say that maybe not for the championship. I would argue that he wants the money that comes along with the championship. He came back in the first place, not only because he adored the fans, I'm sure that was a part of it, but because more matches, more big wins, like the big win that he got over Brock Lesnar a few months ago, means more money for his own family and kids and his wife, so on and so forth. And going on to WrestleMania in that big match with Brock, His name is already in the dotted line. It's already been signed on the dotted line. That match with Brock Lesnar is already set in stone. But walking into WrestleMania and all the promotion that goes into that as the Universal Champion, the spotlight is on Goldberg. Everything that goes along with that is huge for Goldberg and his brand. With Kevin Owens, to me, that's just very one-dimensional. I like Goldberg, but with Kevin Owens, it goes a lot deeper. And you had said with, with, with Chris Jericho, with Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens is a cowardly man, a very cowardly man. Every time someone shows any sort of affection towards him, he turns his back on him. He stabs him right in the back, and he says, I'm a prize fighter. I only love my kids. I only love my family, my wife, and I'm going to do it for me. I'm going to do it for them. I'm not going to do it for you, Jericho. I'm not going to do it for you, Zane. And that's what this match is all about. And he does not want that reign to come to an end anytime soon.
0: Yeah, I, In fact, if anything, I view Kevin Owens as a hoarder. Once he has something, he just wants some more of it, but he doesn't want you to touch it. Yep. You know? Exactly. And he he guises all of the... He puts it all out there that, you know, he's doing this for his family, which I believe, and that he is, uh, you know, doing this because he's always wanted to be a champion, and now he's at the top, and he's the best, and I just don't... He's been handed everything. It's well-documented how he has risen to power here, Um, and... Now that he is finding himself going up against real competition, Goldberg, we've seen him go against Braun Strowman, we've seen him start to have to enter this high-peak WrestleMania season of high competition, does Kevin Owens have what it takes without the help of Chris Jericho, the United States champion who we have not seen in a few weeks now, uh, does he have what it takes to beat Goldberg here, and especially, this was a match set in motion by none other than Chris Jericho. Um I say that there's a lot of things here working against Kevin Owens, and a lot of it's his own doing. What are the chances that we see Kevin Owens retain?
1: I think there's a better chance. I told you last week I was more confident coming out of the week prior Um, I mean, I think every week since this match has been announced, I am more confident that Owens will walk out on top. I will say my official prediction is still Goldberg winning the championship and then going on to face Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania. But the more time passes, the more of a chance I see for Owens retaining his title just because... As I had said, we had not seen this Kevin Owens since NXT two, three years ago. This dark side of the prize fighter that will will literally do anything and everything it takes to walk out victorious and with that championship intact. So I think Owens has a pretty, he has a fighting chance, no pun intended, but I think Goldberg does walk out the new champion.
0: This has been a hot topic for everyone this week. Very difficult to tell because either way, Goldberg gets a win. Goes on to WrestleMania with the Universal title around his waist, fighting Brock Lesnar. What does that say for Kevin Owens? Does, he, does that automatically mean that he's in a program with Chris Jericho for the United States title? Not guaranteed. Could be a bit of an ambiguous road to WrestleMania for Kevin Owens if he does not retain here. Uh, but it seems very cemented that Goldberg will be seeing Brock Lesnar either way, championship or not. Fastlane is going to be a really interesting show uh, grounded in a lack of respect this Sunday, but we want to move on to a couple of other big topic issues that are going on in the world of SmackDown Live. Um, It has been nonstop action week after week with SmackDown Live with very interesting, controversial endings that are absolutely being discussed by Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon. Now, uh, last week, we saw Luke Harper and AJ Styles go over the top rope in a battle royal scenario. It felt obvious to us. It felt obvious to management. It felt obvious to everybody in the world whose feet hit the floor first. Yet the referee's decision on that match between Luke Harper and AJ Styles, who were the last two contenders in that battle royal, was that it was inconclusive. Daniel Bryan had to, to side with the referees. Shane McMahon backed him up this week. But that did not sit well with... Luke Harper and AJ Styles, and they saw competition against each other to see who would become the number one contender to the WWE champion, Bray Wyatt, and continue on to that road to WrestleMania. Um, Luke Harper in the last three weeks has shown more emotion and more uh, desire than we have seen at all from Luke Harper ever. AJ Styles came out with a win over Harper to become the number one contender. But how does what does what does Harper do now going against Bray Wyatt going again in in, in, and does he still have contention with AJ Styles?
1: I'm sure with Luke Harper, I'm sure being a part of that match was one thing. I, I don't think getting that championship was really his ultimate goal. It was getting his hands on Bray Wyatt as we had seen prior to the WWE a Championship triple threat match a few weeks back, attacking Bray Wyatt before that bout. So I'm sure it does not end here just because he had lost technically to AJ Styles twice on Tuesday after a bit of controversy the first time around. I'm sure it does not end here. Um, I'm really interested to see now more than ever where Luke Harper ends up on the WrestleMania card Will he find his way somehow into the matchup? Will he end up in the IC Championship picture? Will he face a Raw superstar in an interpromotional match? Maybe a Braun Strowman? They have history. So there's a lot of different options for Luke Harper right now. But I think one thing is for sure, his bad blood with Bray Wyatt and even Randy Orton, for that you know, for that matter, is far from over.
0: You now, here's one interesting thing. You mentioned some of the controversy in, in the restart of the match between AJ Styles and Luke Harper this week. Isn't it interesting to you that management, All of a sudden, now that Luke Harper has distanced himself from the Wyatts a little bit, all of a sudden, Luke Harper's getting a match restarted in his favor. You know, isn't that a little interesting that on Raw, Stephanie McMahon will kind of manipulate things behind the scenes and make Mick Foley deal with it, much to his, you know, kind of resignment at this point. And then on the other side, on SmackDown Live, Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan seem to be a united force, but only for the people that they like. And that happens to be some of the more brighter characters in the WWE universe. Um, But Luke Harper is not really generally described as being a bright person in any way. Um, What did you make of Shane McMahon coming down to the ring? And what does that kind of relationship start to build between him and AJ Styles? AJ got dogged by Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan when he was the champion quite a bit. And seems pretty well okay with... uh, um, leaving it at that and and leaving the bad blood between him and Shane. Did you read into any of that when you saw that on on
1: Tuesday? Just a bit. I could see probably anyone being in that spot of Luke Harper and the outcome would not have changed. because It's not really their bias for Harper but rather really what they have against AJ Styles and the fact that he doesn't like Sheen McMahon. He doesn't like Daniel Bryan, whether it be because AJ is arrogant, whether he's arrogant or a flat earther, as Daniel Bryan had called him a few weeks ago on Talking Smack. Whatever the reason might be, there is bad blood there between AJ Styles and management. But at the end of the day, the best bad guys that we've seen in WWE believe what they're saying and actually have a truth some some partial truth to what they come out in the ring and talk about and AJ Styles is not wrong he is owed a one-on-one rematch for the WWE title and right now you know putting Orton aside for a moment he's getting that at WrestleMania I don't see what the big controversy is here and the second time around and beating Luke Harper he did it all by himself Sheen McMahon got knocked down at ringside followed that up with a 450 on Harper and won the match I don't really see where this plays in with, with AJ, you know, breaking, you know, bending the rules or, you know, cheating to win or whatever else. I just, I don't really see what the big deal is here.
0: No, absolutely. I think uh, AJ is back on the path of clean victories and and using all of his tool set to, to get the job done, um, going into a main event scenario with, uh, and we'll get to it. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, yeah, I do want to, I do want to pull on something that you just said, though, about, some of the the most notorious bad guys in the WWE right now, and one that sticks out like a sore thumb is the Lone Wolf Baron Corbin now Dean Ambrose was scheduled to have a match against Kurt Hawkins this week. Kurt uh, Hawkins uh, was uh, dutifully uh, and very quickly given the dirty deeds exit out of the ring. Kurt Hawkins not even a- afforded the luxury of having his entrance make it to television. You barely even knew it was Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> it happened so fast. If you didn't see the H on the side of his pants, you would have thought it was James Ellsworth in a heartbeat. That's a fact. It's a fact. Um, uh, but Dean Ambrose uh, quickly dispensed of Kurt Hawkins and tried and attempted to call out Baron Corbin. Baron Corbin, though, is a different kind of bad guy that we haven't exactly seen in a little while. It's not as hot-tempered as you would imagine him to be. What did you make of the statement that Baron Corbin had to leave Dean Ambrose standing in the ring, stewing in his own anger? Well, Baron Corbin coolly and collectedly navigated away from the scenario and in my opinion kind of came out on top what did you think
1: i could not agree more i think baron corbin is a good different kind of bad guy that we have not seen in quite some time if not ever because a lot of these bad guys that we see on raw SmackDown, and wwe's and the annual of wwe history the, a lot of them have this you know exude this hate for either the fans or their opponents something really drives them to turning against the audience and we've kind of seen that before with baron corbin but the biggest difference is that Baron Corman does not hate you and I he does not hate uh, Dean Ambrose he doesn't care about us he doesn't care about anyone but himself. There is a definite different feeling there exuding that emotion and not caring is that's not an emotion. He just does not care what happens to anyone but himself and is his close group of friends. He just wants that intercontinental championship to make more money.
0: Make more money. You're so dead on about that. There's a reason why Baron Corbin will constantly throw his football career in the face of any WWE superstar. And you want to know why? Because Baron Corbin thinks this job that he's currently in is easier than being in the NFL. And you and, and he sees more dollar signs and a longer career in professional wrestling than he would in, in in the NFL right now. and that's why he's in the WWE, but make no mistakes about it. Baron Corbin thinks wrestling is stupid. He thinks that this is a joke, and it's him, his opportunity to take advantage of this joke called Dean Ambrose. So does this lack of respect start permeating into the side of SmackDown Live? Yes, yes. Yes, all day long. Um, but speaking of new bad guys, uh, people that are, are totally turning themselves inward and finding a darkness. Dolph Ziggler um, it has very ha, has set his sights on some of the nicest, brightest, uh, most smiling faces in the WWE, and I and I'm not sure why that is getting to him so bad. But Apollo Cruz seems to be dead set. On proving Dolph Ziggler wrong right now, and Dolph Ziggler wants nothing more than to hurt people. Why? Why are we seeing Dolph Ziggler and Apollo Cruz in a chairs match, uh, match after match? Uh, you know, whether it's uh, Kalisto, whether it's Apollo Cruz, you know, very, very considered and uh, celebrated uh, superstars. And Dolph Ziggler used to be a celebrated superstar, but now people are saying that. All of this revenge, all of this hurt, all of this anything, well it's not it's certainly not raising anybody else's eyes, you know. Now now he's just kind of lumped in with the lower end of of superstars that are just going out there, hurting people, having matches and not really making any progress. What's the what's the road forward here for Dolph Ziggler
1: and for Apollo Cruz? It's odd because it's been about two months since Dolph Ziggler turned his back on the WWE universe, and we really have not yet gotten an answer as to why. I can only really speculate that, you know, a lot like Jack Swagger, who also debuted in 2008, who also was a former World Heavyweight Champion, has really lost a lot of relevance. Who recently asked for his release from the WWE this past week? Dolph Ziggler does not want to become the next Jack Swagger. He does not want to become a has been in, in the in the light of all these NXT call ups. Like Kalisto and Apollo Crews, the fresher faces, the you know the uh, goody two-shoes of WWE right now. Ziggler doesn't want to be that guy. He's still coming out with the same music and the same entrance attire and all that other garbage, which I'm sure will change at some point, but he doesn't want to fall under that same category. And if it means turning his back on the fans just to prove himself that he's not a has-been, not to the fans, but to prove to himself that he's not a has-been, he's going to do whatever it takes.
0: Now... Here, here, here's a suggestion down the road, should this not work out for either of them, although I do believe that uh, at both of them uh, are destined to have another crack at becoming the champion of the WWE. But to see a little more potential interaction, seems like they have a lot of similarities, Dolph Ziggler and Baron Corbin um, becoming unlikely uh, uh, allies. Not friends, but allies. I, I feel like they would share a similar mentality. Um, as a team together and it might be that that might be the next step for Dolph Ziggler and if Baron Corbin can't get the job done against even a person like Dean Ambrose a former champion and continue making that progress as a champion uh, towards that belt then perhaps Baron Corbin should start considering finding at least one ally not friend but one ally in the WWE that he can then go after tag team gold. So it'll be interesting to see what happens for both of them, especially for Apollo Crews as well, because this has been a very hard learning lesson in the WWE for Apollo Crews that just being a performer and being a prime athlete is only going to get your throat smashed on the side of a chair. (laughs) So it's somebody else is going to come along and stomp you to the ground and it's going to be an interesting new Direction for Apollo Cruz coming out of Fastlane, going towards WrestleMania. I know he wants to be a big part of that show or any part of that show. Um, but as far as stomping people to the ground and keeping their face firmly pressed under that boot, I believe Mickey James has been putting a real hurt on Becky Lynch. They had a unbelievably detailed and devastating two out of three falls match. On SmackDown Live this week, seeing Becky Lynch come out as the winner in the end of that. But early on, very early on, Mickey James had full control of that entire ring. Dude, I, I feel like these two are destined to butt heads. Becky Lynch has all of the skill set that Mickey James knows is required to be a champion but Mickey James has more experience than Becky Lynch will ever be able to have. Mickey James will just always have more experience. Do these two continue fighting back and forth forever? What what do you see in all of this?
1: No, absolutely. I do think that just because they faced off and seemingly culminated their rivalry in a two-out-of-three-count falls match, it's not the end of the feud. I'm sure we will see many more of these two against one another, whether it be in one-on-one matches, triple threats, which I imagine we will get at WrestleMania, depending on whether Naomi is cleared to compete or not. You got to remember too. Uh, Alexa Bliss attempted to interfere at the end of this matchup. It backfired, and that's what led to Becky Lynch scoring the third indecisive fall over Mickey James. So will we see some tension teased between Mickey James and Alexa Bliss coming out of this, leading to those two going at it with the championship? You have Natalia, you know, lurking in the background as well, wanting a shot at that championship coming off her respective win over Nikki Bella. So really, the women's championship scene on SmackDown right now, with with Naomi as well, kind of hopefully getting back in the mix sooner rather than later from her injury. The scene right now is more exciting than it has ever been for the Blue Brand.
0: Yeah, it really is. It, it's been um, it, it's been really interesting to see Becky Lynch have to throw herself constantly into matches against such a, a, an experienced uh, competitor in Mickie James that. This is really kind of building that championship medal that Becky Lynch needs to have if she is really going to properly dethrone Alexa Bliss and knock her completely out of the picture. You know, and I, I think once Alexa Bliss is knocked out of that picture, Mickie James will have all of the insight, all of the background detail to then find all of Becky Lynch's weak points and become champion herself. I believe Mickey James is playing a very calculated long game here and is picking the right feuds with the future champions and disregarding Alexa Bliss right now. What do you what do you think about Alexa Bliss in in all of this? I mean, she is certainly trying to I I guess she she easily ruffles anybody's feathers because she doesn't have a lot of respect for anything or anybody. Um, But Mickey James seems like she can read through a lot of that and it seems very juvenile to her. Um do you ever see Alexa Bliss and Mickey James coming head to head for that belt?
1: I think so. I think Mickey James came back again to make more money and also to win back her fifth, sixth championship in WWE. But for Alexa Bliss, you got to look at the history she had in NXT. How long was she with Buddy Murphy and uh and the other dude Wesley Blake? Not too long. I mean, she was the one that severed ties with them because they were holding her down. Is Mickey James now holding Alexa Bliss back from fulfilling her full potential as SmackDown Women's Champion? I think that might be the case. Mickey James is now one and two against Becky Lynch, so we could see that uh, relationship start to dissolve in the in the coming weeks.
0: Oh yes, yes, and and speaking of uh, dissolving relationships, if there was ever a relationship between the Miz and John Cena of respect, even a thin layer of that. It is now completely disintegrated this week on Ms. TV. Uh, the Ms. Humbly invited his guest John Cena out to the ring and then proceeded to not let John Cena talk, not even let the technicians turn John Cena's microphone on until the Ms. W- said everything that he ever wanted to say to John Cena's face. And as accurate as everything that the Miz had to say to John Cena was, John Cena's not wrong. John Cena said that that was the same message that AJ Styles has been saying for six months, that CM Punk has said to see face, that The Rock has said to see his face, that so many other superstars have claimed of John Cena going away to Hollywood, um, deprioritizing wrestling while simultaneously saying wrestling is the only thing that he cares about. Um, while I don't believe that's true anymore, I don't believe that professional wrestling and sports entertainment in the WWE is the only thing that drives John Cena forward. Um, he has to be thinking about his life beyond wrestling, and I don't. I, I think he has evolved himself to the point where if he were not part of the WWE anymore, he would not be in Daniel Bryan's role. He would not be considering a GM spot. He would not be considering. Uh, a trainer spot at NXT. Commentary. Commentary part of the creative team. John Cena would be doing the good work that he has built for himself. And that would be joining a Hollywood system. A, a higher, a different form of entertainment and spreading the ideas or connections to professional wrestling that way. Um, so... The Miz will never get to that level. The Miz will make Marine movie after Marine movie after Marine movie, and that's going to be the Miz's outside career. The Miz is definitely not any child, nor should it be any child's, uh, desire to see The Miz uh, on a good day, let alone if you are a a, a sick child, part of uh, any of the Make-A-Wish foundations. (laughs) Um, You definitely probably would prefer John Cena over The Miz, but to see Maurice slap John Cena right in the face after insults are exchanged back and forth, only for John Cena to say to the Miz and to Maurice that you just made the biggest mistake of your life, and enter Nikki Bella. Um, what becomes the landscape going forward here for these for all four of them?
1: I'm excited for this. I mean, I think if you told me a month ago that John Cena would be part of a mixed tag team match, presumably at WrestleMania with his girlfriend, Nikki Bella, the Miz and Maurice, I would have said, that's strange. Coming off his WWE title win, his 16th triumphant championship victory at the Royal Rumble, it's a really weird, you know, changing of the gear, so to speak. But from what we saw on Tuesday, I thought it was great to think Nikki Bella and John Cena, for the first time ever, that as they acknowledged on Talking Smack later that evening marked the first time they've ever interacted on WWE TV in the five years they've been dating, which blows my mind. And it's cool. It felt natural. Um, both There was a lot of truth to what both guys said, both The Miz and John Cena, as you would alluded to. Um, but, but I like this a lot. If, if the rumors are true, Nikki Bella might indeed be winding down her active career as a full-time competitor on the SmackDown brand. No real better way to go out than teaming with her Real life partner in John Cena, and you have the Miz and Maurice in there who have been doing absolutely exceptional work over the past year. This puts them in a prominent match at WrestleMania with the guy John Cena. So I like this a lot.
0: I I, I like I like this interesting element of Nikki Bella and Maurice coming face to face. Never mind how John Cena and the Miz see each other. There's some real deep tension between Maurice and Nikki Bella. Maurice. Um, essentially blames both the Bellas for her release. Well, not release, I guess, uh, uh, I think her own she... self dismissal from the WWE yeah. for a number of years. She, she felt very pressured by the Bellas and the idea of backstage politics. Graham, what do you know about the situation that, that is going to, to kind of build this understory of even more resentment than I think John Cena or the Miz casually thought to even consider.
1: I'm so glad you brought this up because I'd completely forgotten about it. But I think the history between John Cena and The Miz is pretty well documented from what we've seen on Raw over the past six years. And that main event in WrestleMania, they acknowledged that on Tuesday. But, yeah, the backstage stuff between Nikki Bella and maurice not stuff that is just circulated online, but... Maurice has outright spoken about this on Total Divas, the six one, the uh, season six premiere a few months ago. Total Divas right now, absolutely killing it, by That's the way. awesome. I've seen every episode I since have it too. started.
0: <laughs> I have too. No shame I'm in that. Just, it's no. It's legitimately great. It's one of the yeah. best windows into professional wrestling today.
1: It really is, you know, I, but I could not agree more. But yeah, check it out. I don't think it's on the network yet, but she has said on the season six premiere of the show that... When she tried to come back to the company, I think in 2013, and I know there was some beef there between Maria and the Bella Twins as well, Maurice tried to come back, and she... You know, she she accuses the Bella Twins of axing her return and preventing them from coming back. Is that that WrestleMania, it was supposed to be the Bella Twins and the Funkadactyls in some sort of mixed tag team match. So they didn't bring that up on Tuesday. We barely heard from Nikki Bella, but I'm sure that will be brought up at some point. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm looking forward to that being brought into the light as well. It
0: really adds a layer of uh, a, a whole new dimension uh, and a layer of resentment that John Cena, to be honest, with all that he's accomplished— he as smug as it might sound coming from John Cena or even from me, he's above it. He has risen above hate and rise above the, hate. <laughs> um, you know, and, and as, as you know, his preacher fire and brimstone talk goes down, you know, he can jab and, and, and throw insults at the Miz and get under the Miz's Skin. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, even just seeing backstage, John Cena and Nikki Bella being confronted by Carmela and, um, James Ellsworth. Um, it's all kind of like lighthearted to John Cena. You know, I'm John Cena. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to do what John Cena does. I'm going to Superman the the hell out of this match <laughs> right now. Um, but uh, the Miz trying to cut and chop John Cena down saying that super Cena doesn't exist anymore. And all of this internet nonsense or whatever the Miz is trying to pull from to get under John Cena's skin. I just don't see it working. However, the two of them, as As much as they all that both of them probably care about their egos a good amount, they care about the partners that they have in their lives, the real life partners that they have in their lives, and their real life partners don't have a lot of reason to really like each other and that's what's gonna make this match different. That's what's going to make if this is the match that goes to WrestleMania, I guarantee you people will scoff at it. people will call John Cena all kinds of names for for not having his act together. Like he said, you know, if you think that if I wanted to be in a WrestleMania scenario, it would be against you. Then you're absolutely hilarious. That's just absolutely ridiculous. So if this ends up going to WrestleMania, I'm saying it now. The reason why this match really matters a lot is less to do with John Cena and the Miz and way more to do with what's going on between Maurice and Nikki Bella. Um, It's just been, a barn burner of a week for respect in the WWE between competitors. But barn burning in the literal sense is how we left things off and how we're going to leave you off this week here on Rant Radio. Randy Orton has burned down the Wyatt compound, the temple, the holiest of, of sanctuaries for the Wyatt family, the house unearthed underneath it the remains of sister abigail bray claims that sister abigail is the the daughter of satan himself pure evil what bray's connection to all that evil is is still somewhat ambiguous but what we do know now is that anything sacred anything uh that was bray wyatt was driving power from has now been burned to the ground By the viper Randy Orton, who has turned his back on what we've been saying all the time here, the snake in the grass has shown himself and has bitten into the neck of Bray Wyatt. What what were your thoughts upon seeing this? How did you feel about it? And and what does this mean? Now that Randy Orton is back in the WrestleMania main event picture.
1: I mean, as you had said, Tom, I think it was really only inevitable that Randy Orton would show his true colors and turn on the Wyatt family and really kind of break up the Wyatt family from within mixed uh, thoughts. So, though. I thought the execution of what they did here with Orton burning down the Wyatt family compound was great. Um, just because the, 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 you know, infamous Orton pose in front of the fire. I've seen that picture all over social media this week. People ate that up. Um, it was great, but just the timing of it was really, really weird. Like we talked about earlier, AJ Styles, the new number one contender to the championship at WrestleMania, does he get that title shot taken away? Does Orton get inserted into the mix? Is it one-on-one, triple threat? What happens to Lou Carper? I guess it's good we have questions going into next week. That's always a good thing. Um, we're kind of left, you know, hanging in, in suspense. A-, a great cliffhanger I always enjoy. But with this specific angle, Orton himself had said, as we talked about off-air a couple days ago, he himself said, said two weeks ago he was, you know, a follower of Bray Wyatt. He was relinquishing his championship match. What what changed? Like, nothing significant has happened in the past two weeks to really bring out this change in order. And I don't want to be someone who constantly complains. I mean, it was great. Again, I enjoy the angle. I enjoy the creativity and the way that it was filmed and whatnot. But it's just really, really weird timing, I would say.
0: it It, it feels like... As if they were preparing to really go into a match this weekend, which they do not have a match this weekend. I don't, I'm not sure why Randy Orton chose right now to burn the Wyatt compound to the ground and begin that, just kicking over that hornet's nest at this point in time when... Very clearly, AJ Styles and uh, Bray Wyatt are going to have, uh, you know, a a lingering Luke Luke Harper have a lot of unfinished business right now. And now that Randy Orton is throwing himself back into all of that, I mean, we're dealing with almost five, you know, four to five people involved in all of this now. How does this shake up? I mean, I'm not sure. Did Randy Orton you know, sh- shake himself back into being the, the, the selfish. Did he stop hearing voices? I'm not sure. <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, did, did he have a moment of being clear and finding some of that clarity? It seems uh, a bit hasty. And I wonder if we're going to see Orton slip backwards in, into, you know, uh, be trying to win Bray over again. Who knows? I mean, it seems like he's ready to change positions on a dime only two weeks ago, you know, claiming that he was a servant of Bray Wyatt and uh, I guess watching Luke Harper and AJ Styles almost win that match maybe that maybe that shook him maybe that shook him awake and said wait a minute like if I'm going to give up this opportunity only for Harper to get it potentially maybe that is what set him out to the Wyatt compound before he even saw any of their match on SmackDown you know
1: that's what I was thinking I was thinking it would get to a point where Harper won and then Orton would say, eh, "No, no, no! I don't want Harper to be champion. So maybe I want to be a part of this match too, to ensure that Harper doesn't win." But then Harper didn't win. But like you had said, maybe he went out there before the match even happened because it wasn't the main. Seems event. like it takes a little
0: while to get out there. You know, what I mean, I don't <laughs> it's think, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I didn't mean, quite unknown I mean, he, you know, he he was thoughtful enough to bring you know, or or use the camera that Bray Wyatt has out there. But I, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't really believe that. Uh, they had, you know, uh, they had a broadcast signal at least, but that doesn't mean they had great Wi-Fi and they could watch the the everything that was going on. I mean, you <laughs> yeah. got to gotta contact your cable provider for that. <laughs> There's all kinds of hoops and whistles that you got to do there. Um, but it is very likely or it's see, the most likely conclusion I can come to is that the prospect of a number one contenders uh, battle royal match n- ending in controversy and those two people that were able to re- – get a match out of that to then further discern uh, discern who is going to be the number one contender was AJ styles or Luke Harper. Randy Orton's got to look at both those options and say, wait a minute, this could have been me. I could be champion. I could beat either of those guys. No problem. You know, why, why am I not going after this belt now, even though it is Bray what would be the one thing I would have to do to definitively get Bray Wyatt's attention? And I think he found the one thing that no one else has really thought to do right now, which is attack sister Abigail. As we saw on the closing moments leading out of SmackDown live this week, Bray Wyatt looked more distraught than we've ever seen him real emotion on his face, pain, real pain, uh, deep emotional pain in, in the eyes of Bray Wyatt. Uh, I, I, I can only imagine that that has progressed into total rage and what we're going to see unleashed towards Randy Orton might not be something that he's prepared for either. And certainly AJ Styles didn't necessarily sign up for that. AJ Styles is a hell of a competitor, but when it comes to chaos, I'm not sure he has a plan ready. It's going to be a very interesting build to WrestleMania right now. We have so much on the line. Going into Fastlane this Sunday is going to kick everything off into high gear. Uh, And that's not just a car joke um, because things move really fast (laughs) for Fastlane on Sunday. We will be back next Friday with even more insight coming out of Fastlane this week. We're going to break everything down, including we're going to get you some 205 live updates and some NXT updates as we need to start shaping the picture going into TakeOver this year. It has been a pleasure as always. We have been WrestleRant Radio. Check us out at nextera-wrestling.net. We'll see you next week.